This is our second session now on Ephesians 3, 14-19, Paul's great prayer for the church. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom, that is, from the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. We'll stop right there. So, Father, as we ponder why Paul spoke of the group of people to whom he's writing as a family, and all of them in heaven and on earth as the whole family, and why he mentions the Father as the one from whom they're named, grant us to absorb what it means to be God's family, what it means to bear the name of our Father. Oh God, make these things so powerfully deep in our heart that they shape us, the way we think about people, about ourselves, the way we feel, the way we speak, the way we act, so that we are are good representatives of our Father as the family from whom He is named. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. From whom the whole family. Why do I translate whole family when so many modern translations say every family in heaven and on earth? Because the context seems to me to make it totally fitting. Grammatically, Pasa patria could mean every family, and it could mean whole family. Now, I know I'm pulling rank on you there because many of you don't have access to Greek. You say, well, I'll just have to take your word for it. But let me go ahead because there are a lot of you who do check me out on these things, and I'm so glad you do. Let me go to the preceding context and show you a couple of things which others can see as well. You don't need to know Greek to see all these things that make whole family, one whole family, so fitting here. So here we are in the preceding section, having skipped over verses 2 through 12 of chapter 3, going back to what was the initial preceding paragraph of the prayer that he was about to pray when he said, For this reason I, Paul... Christ came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And you remember how many times in verses 11 down here through verse 22 of chapter 2, the aim of Paul was to show that the Dividing wall had been broken down, and Jew and Gentile, the far off and the near, have been reconciled to God in one body and one spirit. So you're no longer strangers, you're no longer aliens, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. One household, not many families, one household. This is what we expect. We expect him to say, the whole family, because that's been the emphasis of the entire text, that he has created one new family built on the foundation of the apostles 
and prophets, Jesus himself being the cornerstone of the one building, in whom the whole structure, and I put the Greek here, because you can see, pasa oikodome is the same structure as pasa patria here. Whole family, whole structure. It definitely does not mean every structure. This is the one whole building created in Christ Jesus, joined together, grows into one holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in one dwelling place. I mean, how plain could he make it so that when he gets here and says, whole family, he means to stress what he's been stressing all along. The oneness of the family, not multiple families. It would just, it seemed to come like a, a bolt out of the blue with no particular relevance if this said every family. So, grammatically, it works as whole family, and contextually, it seems to me to be demanded as whole family. So what he's saying is, I'm praying to the Father who has a family, and I'm part of that family. And that whole family it consists of people in heaven and on earth. Now, you might think, hmm, does he mean Christians who have died in recent years and gone to heaven? That, that's certainly true in First Thessalonians 4. That's a concern. I don't think that's the focus here, because, remember, the whole thrust in verses 11 to 22 was to say to far-off Gentiles that they are no longer far-off, but they are part of what? They are citizens of Israel. They're not strangers to the promises anymore. They're not aliens from the commonwealth of Israel anymore. They are fellow citizens with the people of God, which means the, the present meaning is Israel, true Israel. He's thinking that Gentiles are now being grafted in to the Abrahamic covenant so that every true Jew, so just think Moses, think Elijah, think Abraham, and on and on. Think Sarah. Think all these great saints. They are in heaven. This family now is all true Jews. True, real Israel. Gentiles included, Jews included, reconciled in one body, one temple, one building, and one whole family right across the centuries, some in heaven, some on earth, none under the earth, because no children of God go to hell. And one last observation. From whom the whole family is named. What's the point of that? I am bowing my knees to the Father who has given his name to the family. The very first and most obvious meaning is, our name is children 
of God. Don't confuse the world by calling everybody in the world children of God. That's not the way the Bible thinks. We have been brought into a family of God. We are all created by God. We're not all children of God with God as our Father. We have access in one spirit, access in one spirit to the Father. Not everybody has access to the Father. Those who are in Christ have access in one spirit to the Father. So, this is a peculiar name. The Father has a family, and the family is called my children, the children of God. And remember, back in chapter 1, this was planned from the foundation of the world. God predestined us for adoption to himself. In other words, before we ever existed or the universe ever came into being, God had destined that his family would be created. He's predestining us for adoption to himself as sons, and it all comes about through Jesus Christ by Jew and Gentile being reconciled to God so that we're not under wrath anymore, but have God as our Father according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's what children are called to do, is praise the glory of the grace of their Father. So, the first implication is, our name is children of God. And it comes from Father. Father means children. Father gives name to children. Children of God. That has been planned before the foundation of the world, and it has implications for our character. Naming in the Bible is not whimsical. Names are given, like Abram becomes Abraham, so that he's the father of many people, because Ham means people, and so on. So the father gives us his name so that we will share in his character. And this is not surprising then to find in chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as loved children. You see the reasoning? God is your father. That's why he calls them children. And therefore we imitate our father because the Father loves us. So, our prayer goes to the Father, and Paul is praying to a Father for a family, a whole family across the um, centuries. And he's praying for this aspect of the family. The family is named for the Father, which means they're children of God. And in naming us, he means for us to share in his character. And so we aim to imitate him. And that will be possible if this comes true.